Welcome, everyone, on this uh, rainy day. We are so glad you're here, and today we're going to bring to a close uh, this series we've been doing called uh, Missio Dei, or Following the Missionary God. Following the Missionary God. So if you have a Bible or need a Bible, uh, go with me to John chapter 4. That's going to be our text, uh, John 4, 35 to 38. And the title, and really it's just three words, and I want you to repeat it with me because I pray that you'll remember it and you'll think of it tomorrow uh, when you go to work or school or whatever you do tomorrow morning. It says this, just say yes. All right, can you repeat that with me? Just say yes. Okay, that's it. Just say yes. Very simple. And um, so let me begin with a little story uh, as we get into this text. Uh, My closest friend growing up was a kid named Chris, and uh, we met in second grade, seven years old. Uh, we lived in the same neighborhood. We played in the same little league team, baseball team. We, we did everything together uh, through high school and actually went to college together as roommates. Uh, we lived together for four years. And so we, we've actually been friends for 50 years, believe it or not. And uh, so his, you know, his family was so messed up that it made my family look normal. And so he, he pretty much lived at my house because the only way he was going to eat and get a meal because his family was just so broken. And so, uh, big guy. So my mother was like, oh, him again? And he was, so he, he was a natural athlete, you know, baseball pitcher, football quarterback, you know, basketball star, six foot four, just had a lot of natural abilities and gifts. Uh, and uh, so... You know, we were like brothers, actually, and, and uh, so we went to college together, and uh, there we are in college. Um, that's me on the left, believe it or not, you know, with the, the long hair. That's me. That's actually me. Yeah, that's me. And uh, so uh, we, uh, I, when I, my, my sophomore year of college, at the end, I became a Christian. <clears throat> so, of course, it's like my brother living with me in my room. I'm like, Chris, you got to become a Christian now, too. But, of course, he thought it was ludicrous. There was no way he was going to become a Christian. He was a party animal. And uh, so, but of course, i praying for him every day. You know, inviting him to every Bible study constantly, you know, and pulling him into meeting, manipulating him. You name it, I did it, you know, to try to get him over the line to become a Christian. And so I, I ran, I always ran these Bible studies, uh, evangelistic Bible studies, to try to bring my other friends to Christ and introduce them to Jesus through the New Testament and uh, so Chris was just so hard-headed that I finally said to him, I give you over to Satan. Hell can have you. And I said, I'm not praying for you anymore. And I stopped praying. And I, just, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about being handed over to Satan. That is not what it's talking about, all right? I was just, but I used it anyway. And uh, so I stopped. I was so angry. So I just, that's it. I'm, I'm going to get the burden off me of Chris. And uh, so... You know, I stopped praying for him. I felt free. And then, so I'm doing a Bible study, and he shows up. And in the beginning, he starts making fun of me with everybody else in the room, you know. And so I'm like, I'll kill him. I'll kill him, you know. Take him now. God. And so, but then he gets real quiet, and he keeps coming. I, you know, we're not talking about it. So one week, when a couple of guys in the group are really giving me a hard time for being a Christian, and then Chris raises his hand on, on the side corner and says, uh, hey, guys, I'm with Pete. 
And everybody looks. And he goes, I'm a Christian. And he goes, last night I opened up my heart you know, to Jesus. And I was like. <laughs> now, my mother, who knew him since he was seven, said, would say to him for the next year, year and a half, oh, come on, Chris, you're not a Christian. Stop faking it. You'll never be a Christian. And my mother was a Christian. I'm like, I mean, he's talking like that. Like, it was so, for her, it was so preposterous, the idea of him actually being a Christian, that she couldn't, every time she saw him, stop faking it, Chris. You know, get real. So what's so interesting about this is, is you know, the title is Just Say Yes, you know, to let Jesus use you. That's been the whole focus of the series. But actually, at that point, I said, no. Like, I'm not, you're not going to use me, at least with that guy, you know. And uh, nonetheless, God worked because God, God's incredible the way he works in the most incredible situations. And so today's story is about the Samaritan woman. Actually, the story when Jesus teaches the 12 disciples after the Samaritan woman comes to Christ. Now, if some of you know the story. It's in John chapter 4 where there's this, uh, Jesus is walking through Samaria, and he stops at a well, and he meets this Samaritan woman. Now, a Samaritan woman says, says she she's, has had five husbands, and now she's living with a guy. She's cohabitating. Uh, she's immoral. She's a woman, which in that culture was you know, inferior, second class, beyond anything we could imagine in our present culture. Uh, and she's a Samaritan, which means she has a really twisted up theology. So she is just, she's an outsider. She's a nobody. She's, a, we'd say, a loser. Uh, no Jew or Samaritan would ever listen to this woman. But, you know, she, she's, she's completely, in a sense, invisible to the world. Yet she comes to Christ. When Jesus sees her and reaches out to her, and she, Jesus reveals himself to her, she becomes a Christian. And then we read... You know, she leaves the water jar and she goes back to her town. And she says to her people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I mean, that's basically all she knows. She doesn't know a lot. And the, just her saying yes. It says here in verse 30, they came out of the town and made their way towards him, which is Jesus. So imagine, the town stops, starts emptying out to go towards Jesus based on this woman's testimony. And then it says many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Well, what's so incredible is she knew so little. Her theology is still half-baked. But God is using her. And then it says he told me everything I ever did. And because of his words, Jesus' words, many more became believers. I mean, the whole town comes to Christ. I mean, she's like actually the first apostle. The Samaritan woman. She's, she's ahead of the 12 disciples. And so uh, our text here is, is because when this is happening, the 12 disciples are like clueless. They're like, Jesus, are you hungry? You know, you go, need some food to eat? Like they're just, they don't see anything God's doing. All they're thinking about is physical food. And so Jesus at this moment, in a nice way, says, sit down. I want to teach you something. And he basically gives a little teaching in four verses. And the four verses are here, and they're John 4, 35 to 38. And they're so profound. They're, I can't even unpack it all in this little sermon. But there's so much in these few verses. I'm going to bring out a couple of things uh, that he wants them to get as the disciples. And he's looking at you, and he's looking at me today, and he wants us to get this. Because for most of us, we don't get it. 
It's such a radical view of life and what's going on around us uh, because he's trying to get them to say yes like the Samaritan woman did and actually follow this, our God, who's a missionary God who loves the world. So let's read it. Let me read it here out together. So this is Jesus now to the 12 uh, disciples. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So he starts out with this. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? And, and, and basically, it, he's saying, this is a mistaken saying. But this is the saying. It goes like this. Rome wasn't built in a day. You ever heard that? Rome wasn't built in a day. And it's basically, hey, you know what? Rome took thousands of years to get built. You know, it took a long time. So relax, you know. Be patient. Four months more to harvest. Take a, take a break. It's like saying New York City wasn't built in a day. I mean, if you think of New York, right, the skyscrapers, the financial district, the arts, the infrastructure, the schools, the roads, the highways, it took a long time to get to the city we have today. It wasn't built in a day. Hundreds of, I mean, hundreds of years, really, 1600s, it was built. Uh, so we basically say to people, don't expect miracles. It takes a long time. And you can, you can just apply that to so many things in life, right? You want to learn a language? You know, I looked up on the Internet, you know, learn a language in seven days. You know, I once bought some Russian tapes learn Russian, because it said that, learn in seven days. I didn't learn anything in seven days. You can't learn a language in seven days, you know. It takes a long time. I once took violin lessons. I, I took one lesson. I said, forget it. This is going to take a long time. This is really hard. I love the instrument, but my gosh, you know. I, you know, you, you want to you go to college? You say, yeah, I'll go to college. I'll get a master's degree. Then you find out, there's a lot of work. My gosh, you know. Or you wanna, I want to be a chef. I want to be a chef. So you go to Manhattan, you take a class, and you're like, oh, my gosh. This is going to take years, you know. And, and so we have this thing of, of it just takes a long time. I, I, my daughter, I got a letter two weeks ago, my wife and I. And uh, it was from the Board of Education. Now, understand, uh, my daughter, when she graduated eighth grade, she was in a, a, a junior high school here. And um, what happened was, uh, this letter, we get a letter. Now, my daughter was, was 13 when she left junior high. And then she went to a private school for high school. Uh, so she's now 23 years old. Okay? And here's what the letter says. According to our records, the former New York City Department of Education student listed above has a positive balance of 30 cents in their lunch fee account. We would like, oh, our records list you as guardian of the former student. And we would like to provide you full reimbursement <laughs> of the positive balance of 30 cents. New York sometimes moves slow. <laughs> Just takes a while. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know. Four months more on the harvest. You know, don't expect miracles. You're 30 cents within the week, you know. So what Jesus is saying is, no, 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 no. Don't say that. 
It's slow. Because in this, there are miracles. And he says to them, I tell you, in this case, open your eyes, look at the harvest, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. This is instant. This is, this is like this. This is miraculous. It's a miracle. This is not the same principle applied. And, uh, and so it's not true. So, so a whole, and, and he's, he's saying this, open your eyes, because right now a whole city is coming down. Only Samaritan people from her village are, are coming to Jesus. And they're like, oh, my gosh. He goes, yeah, this is, this is a miracle. When it gets involved with me and you saying yes and being involved with people, you're getting in for a shock because there's a rightness there and an openness for them to come to Christ. So, so the message of Jesus has this power to it, this miraculous power uh, to transform people. In fact, that's why when, I mean, the girl who, is, who told me about Jesus when I was 19, she had just come to Christ herself. And I thought I was Mr. Intellectual. I had so many questions about evil and about what about those who never heard of Christ and all that stuff. She couldn't answer anything. I mean, she was clueless. I don't know. I don't know. But, and I was like beating her over the head with, with questions. And she couldn't answer any, any of the questions. But it didn't matter because she had no idea inside I was falling apart. You know what I mean? Inside, God was after me for decades. I mean, since I was born, God was after me. And he was working at me. And I was, if you, I was an agnostic. Like, do you believe in God? I said, I don't think so. I don't think there's a God. How do you know there's a God? I said that the morning I became a Christian. And I meant it. I don't know if there's a God. I have no idea. That night I was a Christian. I want to say, God does miracles. And that Sally, who had the guts to talk to me at 2 in the morning, Jennifer, she, she was like the Samaritan woman. It didn't matter. She didn't know much. But God took that and did a miracle. You all wouldn't be in this room today, all right? We'd all be somewhere else. It's, so... What Jesus is saying is people are way more ready for the gospel than you imagine. They're, you think, no, they're not ready. No, no, Jesus, you have no idea. They're super ready. In fact, Jesus says when he sees the crowds in Mark 9, he has compassion because he realized they're like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, and and, and the literal word in Greek is they're mangled up and cast down without direction. And uh, Jesus sees everybody as broken. He sees everybody as incredibly fragile. He sees everybody as poor in spirit and vulnerable. So we look at people, and what do we see? We see, you know, a man or a woman with a suit going to work on Wall Street. You know, we see some movie star who looks, you know, beautiful or handsome and, or, or some celebrity, someone who's a multimillionaire. They have everything. We, think, we, we see people who've got, you know, degrees from these great schools, and you're saying, I barely graduated high school, let alone college, and they went to, they're a PhD, you know, a doctor, whatever. You're like, they don't need God, and we think they're not... Mangled. Oh, Jesus, no, they're all messed up. They're people, everyone who's going after money, power, relationships, sex, you name it, all the longings of humanity will never satisfy. They're hungering and thirsting for Jesus. They just don't even know it. They're looking for happiness, but it'll never satisfy until they taste of him. And Jesus knows they're directionless. They're just wandering. I, I like the way, but we look at the externals, and we make a decision that no one's interested. And we don't say yes, we just say whatever. You know? And so, you know, Jesus, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are really, they're ripe for harvest. Look at this thing. I like the way, um, you know, we, we think that's it. We think the, there's maybe there's one open person at my whole workplace. There's 10,000 people in this company. Maybe there's somebody who's open. Everyone seems closed. Or all my friends or all the people you walk in your neighborhood or at the subway train or your extended family. Jesus says, no, that is, he's telling the 12 disciples, 
That is not true. You would have thought that about the Samaritans. He says, look, they're coming down based on this woman's half-baked testimony. But she said yes. He goes, no, that's the reality. He goes, the field's ready. It's ripe. Just go and pick it. He goes, I'm just looking for disciples, for, for my, my followers to say yes to me and actually be workers and be willing to bring my name uh, to folks. So, so I like what, Rick, what uh, Richard Wars got this nice book about what it means to grow up, what it means to grow up into an adult. Uh, and uh, he has these five truths about life. And these truths about life break everybody. You know, the first one is life is hard. Have you found that out yet? Life's hard. But you kind of go into it thinking, I got it, I got it, I got this down. And boom, and you're like, oh my gosh, you know. And you know, life will break you eventually. You know, we think, you know, I'm really important. Like, watch out, here I am, I'm coming down. And you find out no one's like impressed, you know, and you're like, and then you find out you're not that important. And then you think, my life's all about me. The world's going to revolve around me. And you find out it ain't revolving around you either. And then you find out you're not in control. That's a shock. Some of us find it out very early on. You know, as elementary small kids, we realize we have no control. Others of us, we learn it later in life. But we all eventually learn we, are, we do not have control. And, we are, and our life is so fragile, in a moment, it could change irreversibly. In a moment, nanosecond. And then he says, you know what, you real, we all realize we're going to, someday you realize you're going to die. You're not eternal. So, so the point is, Jesus sees it, that, that the brokenness of humanity. And he goes, the fields are ripe for horrors because they do not have direction. They need me. He is the only good shepherd. And so he says, open your eyes. See what's going on around you. Do not look at the externals as the world looks. This is not Rome was built in a day. This is the miraculous. Because underneath there's a huge hunger and a huge openness. So, so just say yes, says Jesus. So then he goes on. He goes, listen. He builds on it. He goes, I want you to experience the joy. And he invites the disciples. He goes, there's a joy in joining me, the work of God, with people. Because you see things and experience things you can experience no other way. And then he goes on and says this. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. We read it again. It's very important. I send you, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. So what he's saying this, Jesus saying this, the others who are doing the hard work, that's God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is working. And that's the hard work over years and decades and sometimes even longer than that in people's lives. And so just say God so loves the world. You've got you to feel this for a moment. He loves humanity. He loves people. The fragility of people, whether they're elderly, whether they're, you know, just born or unborn, uh, the people the world discards. He loves the wealthy and those who appear secure. He loves the poor. He loves everybody so much that he sent his son to live and die among us, so that we might actually, he shed his blood, so we might actually have forgiveness of sins. You know, the forgiveness of sins is the greatest message of the New Testament. We can be forgiven through the blood of Jesus. There's a Savior. That is the most 
incredible news. And that then we can have a, a relationship with the living God through Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit's out there working to convict people and draw people and speak truth to people in ways that we could never imagine. So, so God is working, and the hard work, he's saying, is getting the harvest ready. Because that's the hard work. That's 99.9%. And I'm sending you to reap it. Your role is, is uncomplicated. Actually, he's saying it's actually easy because I'm doing the hard work. And you're simply to harvest what I prepared. And so uh, this living God is, God's active. I mean, he's moving. Do you know God is moving? He's, he's moving right now in this room. He got you here. He's moving in your neighborhood. He's moving in your family. God's active and moving in ways you could never imagine. And so it goes, you are just to say yes and go out in my name and, and speak to that. So let me, let me I'm not a farmer, but I, I called a farmer, okay, to try to get a feel for this farming thing. But you know what we have in my house? We have an electric plant under an LED light. You put the seed in, you fill it up with water, it has a special light, and, that, and you're done. Like, that's my farming. That's my kind of farm. Some, you know, basil is going to be grow out of that for the food. And so I'm so far from this analogy as a city slicker. It's really hard to get what Jesus is trying to say here. So I want to, I know, anybody here have farming background? Oh, one person, two people. Okay. See me afterwards, all right, where were you? So I called my farming friend, and he, he tried to, he's explaining to me the whole process. You know, we're talking about different crops, you know, they would have had an ancient Mideast. So listen, I didn't understand everything he's saying, but I can tell you this. It's an enormous amount of work. I'm like, thank God I can just go to Stop and Shop and get my tomatoes because this is unbelievable. So he starts describing me. First, you got to go out there, you got to the ground, you got to plow. Because, and he could, because now we have machines. It's still a tremendous amount of work. He goes, but in ancient days, you could imagine what it took to plow the land. And he goes, then you gotta, you know, then you gotta plant the seed, and and, and then you gotta like till it up again and make sure that seed goes in the ground. And he goes, and then you gotta fertilize it, you know, and then you gotta, you know, and you gotta, you kind of, you gotta water it, you know, or it's gonna die. And and, and then he goes, and then you got every week, and and then you gotta weed it. This weeding is enormous. And imagine without machines. And he says, basically, by the time you finish the weeding it once. Because the weeds suck the nutrients, and he's giving me all this detailed explanation how the weeds kill the plants. They just suck them dry, and there's nothing left. So you must weed. That's why you're basically working morning until night. I mean, it is a very hard life. It's seven days a week. And he goes, if you don't weed, and so by the time you finish the whole field, he says, even he goes, to, you know, he gave me an example of a field. He goes, when you finish, you have to start all over again. Because now the new weeds have come up since you started. He goes, it is just brutal. And then even, it goes day and night, and then... Then you have to, then you got weather issues. You know, you got storms, you got frost coming at the wrong time. You got he says actually locusts. He goes, billions of locusts have have come on crops and destroyed them all. And he goes, yeah, that, God said, I got the weather. God's putting the seed down, God's plowing, God's putting the fertilizer down, God's doing the wheat. God says, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm doing the whole thing in the person's heart. And uh, you know, it's just the field is the world. Can you imagine, how could God be working in 7.3 billion people at once? How could God be that active in every country in the world, in every situation? I mean, he says, I got it. I'm working by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I'm calling people. I'm pulling people. I'm, I'm crafting circumstances. I'm plowing. I'm, I'm putting seed in. I'm pulling weeds out. I got it. It's pretty amazing. And they say, but you, 
I want you to go out then and harvest it. That's all you got to do. No, no, no. God said, I did the work. I did the hard work. And I love this. You know, the guy's got his little sickle. And the guy on the right, I love the guy on the right. That guy in Israel, he's got the grapes in his mouth. He's harvesting, you know. That's the best part. It's like going to stop and shop and just eating, all right? It's just, it's just wonderful. It's done. And so imagine God working all over the world right now. That's why when you get involved in sharing Christ, you, you find out always the shock of people are so open. I had no idea. I had no idea because God, God's moving. You know, it's much like this. You know, there's, a, there's a great text in Psalm 127 about, it says, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord watches over a city, they, they watch it in vain. And then it goes right into children. Children are a gift from the Lord. And what he's saying is this. He says, right, he goes, if you, God says basically, I'm the one who, you may be watching over the city, but if I'm not watching over the city, the city's going down. You can try, you, you know, you can build, but unless God's building, it ain't happening. And, and God's saying the same thing. He goes, he goes look at children. He goes, a, a, an egg and a sperm come together. To, you, a male and female do that. And, you know, a little, a little, you know, fetus is born. He goes, do you realize you just did one little thing? I take, I take the whole, I do the whole rest. Like, I'm, I got the whole nine months. Okay, do you realize I'm, I'm, all the work that's going in to that egg and sperm that have come together now over nine months before that baby's released in the world, God says, I do all that. I'm 99.9%. You just do a little bit. The point is, God says, we are joining together. We're partners in this thing. I mean, God, just save everybody. You don't need us. Just, just you know, go, boom, snap your fingers, Lord, and you can just save the whole world and we'll be done with this whole thing. But God says, no, 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 no. I work through my sons and daughters. We are you are partners with me. I, I want you to join with me. This is how I'm choosing to do this. I want you to experience the joy and participate with me in this love and see me change people. He could have used angels. He says, I put you on earth. I've got a purpose for you. And your purpose is to join with me and simply say yes. Every one of us. There's no one like you on earth. And he invites us to join. That, that's his love for us. And, and so God says, I'm going to go ahead of you. I'm, I'm way ahead of you in the neighborhood. I'm way ahead of you at work. Just say yes. So maybe you're a social worker. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you're a medical worker. But your primary work in life is to join with Jesus in basically making him know, making disciples, of, of, of revealing Jesus to people and harvesting what he's doing out there. When New Life Fellowship started many years ago, uh, I remember we started this church. We didn't have any people, two or three people. And we started, and I just remember the church, all these people coming, coming to Christ. And I, we, I remember saying for the first couple of years, someone else did all the hard work because we're just showing up. Someone must have been praying for decades for Queens, for our section of Queens. And I said, Maybe they're praying for a generation. Somebody did all the plowing. Somebody did all the seeding, all the weeding. There is no human reason why New Life Fellowship should ever have been birthed, but that a few of us went out and said, okay. We had no idea there was this huge harvest. And that's what you, I was talking to Red at the, at the second service. You find that out every single time. You're like, oh my gosh, like God was working. I had no idea there was this huge harvest out there. Jesus knows, and so that's why, you ever, you ever wonder, why does God use people 
that we think he shouldn't be using. Like, we're like, that person, God is screwed up, you know, or, or they're ambition. It's all about them. But God loves the world so much, he'll use anybody. Just please get out there in that harvest. Please, this is not just for you to have a happy life. I've chosen you. I'm sending you. I've got a purpose for your life. You're unique. You're like nobody else. And I love humanity. And I want you to join with me in going out to your sphere. So I, I know the two big excuses. And I, I know them both very well. Um, the first is, I don't, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I don't know the words. I, I'm not good with words. I, I don't have all the answers to people's questions, you know. And I'm such a sinner. I don't know the Bible well enough. I mean, I can tell you, the Samaritan woman didn't even believe half the Old Testament, all right? She had a lot of problems. But Jesus says, I will give you power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he says over and over again in the New Testament, I will be with you. Every time he says go, he says, I will be with you. I will give you power. I'll make it happen. And just like me with my friend Chris, I'm like, Jesus, I'm like, Chris, I hand you over to Satan. And God still saved them. Do you understand? Like, it's like, what about me? About God, you know? And, and uh, you know, I think that Samaritan woman, like, God was going to reach those Samaritans. Twelve disciples weren't going to go. They're like, I hate the Samaritans. He said, I'll get them. And Jesus went, he got them through the Samaritan woman. And so the point is, it's just, he just, a willingness to just say yes. But then the second is we say to ourselves, it's not going to make a difference if I do it anyway. Because it just won't make a difference. It's just me. Now, how many of you in this room are perfectionists? Like, you got to get it right. Raise your hands. Like, you're perfection. All right. This is for you. I'm a perfectionist, too. You know, I'm like, you know, let's finish it. Now, now our, our, when we do a work, any kind of work, it's always incomplete. Whether it's at the workplace or building a marriage or a friendship or a church. Uh, life is very short. And uh, we can only accomplish so much on earth. And much of what we do will remain unfinished. Now, you all know J.R.R. Tolkien. He wrote Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all that. He was a Christian, as many of you know. But he wrote, a, he wrote an incredible short story uh, about, uh, to illustrate this dynamic of really about perfectionism, about earth and heaven. And it's about a man named Niggle, N-I-G-G-L-E, Niggle, what a name. And his passion is to paint trees. But... The only problem is that Niggle is easily distractible. And so every time he starts painting a tree, he gets all caught up in painting leaves. And he can't quite get the leaf right. And over and over again, he's painting the leaves, and he just doesn't seem to get to the tree. So one day, Niggle dies and goes to heaven. And he dies, and he wakes up in this meadow, beautiful meadow, and there's a bicycle there. And the bicycle's got a big sign on it that says, Niggles. So Niggles gets on the bike. And he starts riding the bike through the meadow. And as he's riding a bike, he says, oh my gosh, he sees the tree that he was trying to paint. And it doesn't just have leaves, it's got branches and everything. And it's not a painting, it's a live tree. And it's alive and flapping. And, and he's like, and he's a, he starts thanking God because he realized the fact that he could he was painting the tree on earth was all a gift. The fact that he even had the passion was all God and a gift. But he also realized that life on earth is so incomplete, but the work will be finished in heaven. Do you understand that 
You say, Mom, I, but people at work are so screwed up, and I know, but do your piece now. God will finish it. It'll get finished. Oh, the church, we're laboring in church. I want, want the, everyone's relationships to be fantastic, and the marriage, I thought Kelly works with marriages at our church. And you're just like, ah, you know. And, but no, it'll all be perfect in heaven, all the relationships. But we work, we'll never see it fully complete on earth, but we're building something eternal. And the Bible speaks of this kind of eternal work we're involved in. We don't fully understand it. But it puts your life in perspective. God has something for you to do now on earth. It may seem small, but it is not. It is actually magnificent and incredibly important. And, uh, and so today, we are going to, talk, we're going to give you a card. And um, every Christian is in full-time ministry, okay? And uh, he calls us to reap something, do a work. Others have done the hard work. We're to reap the benefit of their labor. And so the card, we're invited just to say yes. The card looks like this that you're going to get. And we did this a couple of years ago. And uh, it's a little, it's called full-time ministry ID card. And what it's meant to do is be a reminder for you that you are sent. And that you are in full-time ministry for God till the day you die. And it was your, 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 your life work, regardless of what your profession might be, is a servant of Jesus till the moment you take your last breath. And then it will completely unfold when you get to heaven. It will keep going on. But right now, you are really important. Just like those 12 disciples were incredibly important. God's got something for you. Now listen, this card is not meant to use to get into a parking spot in front of the hospital. It is not say that you can't pull this out and say, you know, I can marry you. I got a card from New Life Fellowship. No, it's not, it's not that either. Um, no, no clergy spots. And do not give it to a police officer to avoid a ticket. Okay. So, but... I'm hoping that you'll take this, you'll put it in your wallet or maybe on your refrigerator that to remind you that you're sent and you're just saying yes. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all the, oh, you'll notice what it, it says on it. Let me go back. It says on it, you know, this card reminds me that I'm called to work for Christ because he's my ultimate employer. Create and shape order out of chaos. Work for the shalom or flourishing my workplace. Embrace a rhythm of work and rest. But also, and I'm going to add to that, that you will bear witness to Jesus in that place. You will let people know about this Christ who minimally touched your life and let God take care of the rest. And so here is um, a list of all uh, the categories. There's 17 categories here. And what we're going to do is, uh, of these different careers or works on the screen here, I want you to look at what category or career do I fit in right now. Now you may say, oh, I'm a student, but I'm also working for the city. That's fine. You may work, you may fit in two or three categories. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is we're going to uh, have a moment in which uh, I'm going to say each, each one, one by one. And if you're in that category, say it's business or education, you're going to stand. And when you stand, you're gonna, we're going to recognize you and we're going to applaud you. Because a little applause, like you're sent in that place. Okay, so uh, now listen, the applause has to be equal, all right? Now, we can't be, like, down on one profession and up on another. God sees it all as important and valuable. And God sends people to work in all, every situation, right, to be salt and light and bring Jesus to that place. So, all right, so let's begin. They come up one by one. For those of you who are working in business, whether it's management, your accountant, finance, engineers, any, in the business, you're, you're, a, you're an entrepreneur, I want you to stand up for a moment. All right, give me a hand. 
All right. Thank you. Please be seated. And, and you're saying, for you, call to create and shape in those areas. All right, next, for those of you called to create and shape sent by Jesus into the healthcare profession, a medical profession, dentists, MDs, nurses, therapists, those doing research, we want you to stand up right here. All right. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you. Next, those of you working in education, teachers, administrators, support staff, security staff, principals, vice principals, stand up. Wow, oh, thank you. Great. Okay. For those called to create and shape in uh, the social services, we're talking about counselors, social workers, nonprofits, okay, therapists, you know, those you're in that whole field, we want you to stand up. Wow. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Next. Those of you who are in the uh, service and retail industry, any of the, you know, large stores and J.C. Penney, Macy's, concierge, waiters, food restaurant service, maybe you own a restaurant, custodians, beauticians, anybody in that kind of service retail, we want you to stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Next, those of you who work for the city, all right, sanitation workers, police, firemen, firewomen, transit, postal, administrative, military, all these folks, city, state, federal levels, we want you to stand up. Okay. Wow. Look at that. Thank you. Okay. Those of you who are in construction, architects, tradesmen, tradespeople, you know, builders, carpenters, electricians, all that. Okay. Expediters. All right. Thank you. All right. Next. Those of you in the arts. Okay. Theater, movies, painters, writers, video people, musicians, we want you to stand. All right. Thank you. Fantastic. All right, those of you who are students, elementary school, junior high, high school, college, grad school, post-grad school, faculty with them as well, we want you to stand. Okay? Wow, look at this. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Next, those who are in sales, any kind of sales or any related occupation of scales, marketing. All right, let's give them a hand. Thank you. All right. Fantastic. Thank you. All right, those in transition. Transition means you're in between careers, all right? And maybe you're on disability. Maybe you're, you're not working right now. Maybe you're changing careers, but you're in a transition season. But just, you know, we do, because we're sent by Jesus, the way we stand on the unemployment line is different. Do you understand? The way we even look for a job is different. The way we interpret the transition season is different because we're very aware we're going to meet a different set of people and we're sent by Jesus to that task for a season. So anybody in transition, stand right here. Thank you. Next. Now, retire. Let me explain this before we start. Now, we don't believe in retirement. We believe that that also is a transition from a paid employment that maybe you had for quite a while to an unplayed work for God. Because you will work until you die. You are, you are sent by God to do a work in the world 
to harvest. Do you understand? To, 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 to harvest for Jesus. That the work that he's doing, we're joining him in that. So until you have your dying breath, you are involved in unpaid work. All of us. So, but the word is used for retirement, that you've maybe a job you've had for many years. Now you're financial, like in a sense, set, but you'll be called by the world standards, retired. We would say here in the church, you've transitioned. So how many of you are in that role? Please stand. That you have, quote, retired from your job. So I just want to say, this is the one, L, one no envy or jealousy right now, okay? It doesn't belong in the church. We, we love them. Next, those who are home, uh, maybe you're taking care of an aged parent or somebody or you're parenting a child, but you're, you're home. And you're not getting paid for it, but you're working, you're serving. That's your work right now. Why don't you just stand as well? I want to give you a hand. That's a definite profession. Thank you. Great. Anybody who works at JFK, LaGuardia, uh, you know, drivers, pilots, subways, buses, the entire massive transportation industry, which is, you know, going on around us, if you're in that, we want you to stand up. They want to recognize you. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, if you're in church or parachurch work, uh, you know, in a significant way, the big part of your work, uh, paid or unpaid, we want you to stand. We want to recognize you. Fantastic. Okay. Great. Thank you. Now, I didn't put this last because it's bad, all right? But if you're in the legal profession, really, so important, right? If you're in, uh, you know, lawyer, public defender, paralegal, office staff, anything related to the justice system, we want you to stand as well. We want to recognize that unique calling for you. All right, Jackie. All right, thank you. And here we go, other. Okay, no, no. In case we missed you, okay, we want to recognize. Anybody, did we miss anybody? You can stand, okay? All right, well, all right. Thank you. I think God has a special heart for the others, all right? I, thank you so much. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we've got these cards, uh, uh, full-time ID cards. I want all the folks who are going to pray, and the worship team, you come on forward. And I want the folks who are going to distribute the cards and pray for people. So what we're going to do is this. We are going to, you're going to, if you would like, we would like to anoint you with oil. Now, oil in the Bible uh, is a symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because every time Jesus sends, he's always saying, I will be with you. I'm going to give you power. Like, he's not sending you to, like, go by yourself. Like, that's not, he's, I'm going to, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to anoint you. I'm going to give you power from the Holy Spirit. So you'll get one of these cards, and then uh, an elder or one of our staff, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to bless you and anoint you with oil. And uh, you'll receive that, and you'll go back to your seat, okay, as we worship. And then we'll close with a kind of a final prayer. But the Holy Spirit is referred to, uh, one of the ways he's referred to is the wind. And the wind has power, and it carries us to new places. And the Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to come and receive the card and say, yes, Lord, I'm just saying yes. And it's that, Lord, I can't, but I know you can. And so I'm receiving this and say, wind of the Holy Spirit, blow through me. Okay, that's the prayer. 
Okay, so the ushers will help us get, get into our places. So let's just pray for a moment as we begin this together. So Father, we invite you to come now and fill this place, not simply with worship, but with your spirit. And uh, may your anointing now move through our hands and through this oil into your people that we, like the Samaritan women, might go forth and offer a gift of blessing and harvest to the world. In Jesus' name, amen.